The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. It's the calm before the storm, or maybe the calm in the middle of one storm, geographically speaking. And your place for the biggest and best rugby discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Great to have Jamie Wall back on the pod last week. And thanks to everyone who got in touch via the various means to let us know what they thought about the whole crazy all black schmozzle. And schmozzle continues to be the word of use there. You can do the same under the new episode page each week on the Raw, or you can hit us up on the socials. Joining me this and every week, a man who has spent the last week in bloody Paris again, this time supposedly looking for answers about timeframes for Rugby World Cup pools, but only succeeding in producing yet another series of overposed social media pics. Harry Jones. <laughs> Hello, How's mate. It? How are you going? Brett? I, I, I found no no answers to my question, but I did of find you this. Found no lo- answers. I, I found this lovely jersey. I'm wearing an for the for the viewers or listeners, I'm wearing an extra extra large French letter. I mean, Jersey. Mm. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's brilliant. It's a beautiful, it's good. beautiful design. Yeah. It's very no, good. It's, uh, I need- the, the country is very excited about it. The football fans yeah. there are talking about rugby. People who have no idea about rugby are talking about rugby. Uh, they are posing as experts, critics, um, so this is um, perfect. Sounds I mean, it's, like it's, us. It's, it's, it sets up, <laughs> yes. <laughs> now I need to ask about these social pictures, and, and anyone who follow, follows Harry on uh, Twitter or, or Instagram would have seen these photos. Honestly, who stages your social media image, imagery, mate? Do you have someone in your employee to take selfies for you, Kim Kardashian style? What's going on? I have an image consultant. I have a paparazzi. Yeah, of who follow, course, you follows do. me around everywhere. <laughs> oh very good very good mate let's get on to this week's guest um and it's someone who we literally wouldn't be here without the raw rugby podcast the pods melbourne studios have come online again this week and from there it's a warm and appreciative welcome back to the raw rugby podcast to author and rugby columnist jeff parks hello mate how you going uh, I'm very well and uh, lovely to be with you, Chance, again. Uh, actually, I've always wanted to come back on here a second time. And I must say, I took inspiration from uh, one of my favourite players, uh, Andrew Reddy. And, uh, you know, I thought, about, <laughs> I thought about Andrew and the first time that he, he hit his line-out jumper with a throw. And, and, you know, he didn't rest on his laurels or consider that the the peak of his career, he thought, you know, I want to do that again. And uh, eventually he did. And uh, <laughs> so here we are for a second time. Yeah. Yeah. Look, and look, in, in, in episode one, when we spoke to you all back, all that time back when, um, look, I don't mind admitting I wasn't sure if there was going to be an episode two. So the fact that it's taken us 27 episodes to get back to you, mate, I'm, we're, we're, we're pretty pleased about that. No, that is a good sign, and uh, congrats to you guys. You've built up a, uh, a really good product, a good brand, as uh, James O'Connor might say. And, um, no, it's uh, it's going great, guns. So if you can squeeze me in, you know, and look, anyone's entitled to a week off. Even Ian Foster's entitled to a week off. So. Yeah, yeah, but I think, I think the argument is there that he's been having a month off, so, yeah. Well, actually, speaking about Ian Foster, just before we came on, I got a, um, 
a text message from my golf coach. And uh, look, if there was ever a coach who deserved the sack for non-performance, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ian Foster's got nothing on this guy. Let me tell you. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Dear. <laughs> look, I'm, I think that. I think that would apply to many a golf coach uh, around the <laughs> rugby world. That's for sure. That's for sure. Let's we've sort of we've sort of kicked things off. What what stood out for you, Jeff, on a rugby free weekend? Was it more trials and tribulations on the golf course? Uh, yeah, no. Look, I try not to think uh, too hard about that. I go crazy <laughs> if I worry too much about that. Um, no, look, uh, clearly, you know, it was a week off in terms of uh, there being no games, but. You know, with the heat up as high as it is in New Zealand, uh, there was no stopping uh, what was happening there with, uh, you know, uh, Foster eventually surfacing on Friday and uh, lots of criticism, as you heard, as we heard from Jamie last week, about mm. how the management team's been handling all of that. And, and you know, there is a loss of perspective. There are a lot of people, a big posse or mob in New Zealand that, you know, taken things uh, way further than what they should have been. But that's, as I wrote about uh, yesterday, that's sort of a little bit par for the course in New Zealand. Rugby is important to New Zealand. That's mm. the understatement of the year. And when uh, situations like this happen, when the All Blacks aren't winning, things go a little bit crazy. So so that's the situation we're in. Uh, the best thing the team can do is get across to South Africa and and out of the frying yeah. pan into another frying pan. But, um, you know, they'll settle down. They'll get some training under their belt and they'll go in against the box in a good space. Whether they're good enough or not is a different story. But Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch, Harry, from afar, hasn't it? Still, we're, we're into, a, into a third week now, aren't we? Yeah, it looks like NZRU was playing better defense than the actual All Blacks. Um, <laughs> and also, it looked like they hired every single coach in New Zealand except for Scott Robertson. And mm. it was also very interesting that they they handpicked someone with a very specific skill set, uh, mall defense, the Crusader mall defense. Yeah, guy. yeah. I mean, it was like, yeah. okay, here we are. We're going to say something. Yeah. Uh, and it, that was interesting too because I'm not even really sure that's really what was so wrong with the All Blacks. I mean, okay, Ireland put some malls together, but that happens to everyone. I think there was a lot more uh, problems in the middle of the field. Um, yeah. The ability to not be able to hide your props uh, from tackle duty. Yeah. I mean, there were other things that have to be worked on. I'm just not sure that this is the thing. But I will say, Jeff's right. Go on tour. Get away from all the noise. Go play an old foe that you know very, very well. I think the All Blacks will pitch up and uh, and give us some problems, as they always yeah. do. It's, it's almost... The draws almost worked out perfectly for the All Blacks because if they had have played the first couple of tests of the rugby championship at home, uh, I, I can admit the, the pressure would have just been unrelenting and just you know it could could, could seriously have worked people down. It would have been it would have been impossible to escape it, Jeff. Yeah, no, no question about that. So. Uh... Yeah, look, it is the best thing. Go away. Um, I do expect they'll play well. Um, mm. There are some issues with the squad. There's uh, clearly the second row is a, um, a concern with Ritalik out. And, uh, 
you know, I think there was a little bit of uh, light at the end of the tunnel playing Barrett at six in the first test against Ireland. And, and uh, you know, that back row still is uh, imbalanced and, uh, mm. and there's an issue there. Um, that went some way to fixing it, but because they're so skinny at lock, uh, he's had to be selected at lock. And, uh, yeah, so they're, they are men short and they're, you know, solving one problem by creating another. Mm, creating another, and, yeah. And they're they're going to get no mercy from South Africa in that respect. Uh, but having said that, um, you know, I'd be, I'd be very surprised if they don't come out and play, uh, play pretty mm. decently. No, I'm sure. I'm sure it's, they will. And we, Jeff, we'll it's, Jeff it's, it seems like the the tight five problems are not of Coach Foster's making. He 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 just lacks some cattle there. But in the midfield, that's not an excuse. No, the midfield mm. there's a wealth wealth of riches of incredible backs to choose from. Why are we sticking with Rico Iwani at 13? Why is it a revolving door at 12? Yeah, well, I think. Um... You know, that's part of the problem. There's been uh, a wealth of really talented centres. And uh, and over the last few years, we've seen this rotation policy or a lot of interchanging where guys have come in and out or they've played 12 one week and played 13 the next week. Uh, so so there have been a lot of, lot of people put up. Um, I think this year they definitely announced... Uh, to everyone that they were going to try and pick and stick a lot more. and mm. uh, But they've had their hand forced a little bit with Anton Leonard Brown's injury. He, he would be first pick uh, in one of those places. And look, I think the thing with Rico uh, Yuani is, is that it's it almost was like a couple of years ago, he decided, you know, this is where I'm going to play. And everyone sort of acquiesced to that. And, uh, and it's almost right. now a little yeah. bit too late to go back. I don't know if he's got it written into his contract or anything, but it's almost <laughs> like, you know. It feels he, like that. the centre and, and everyone sort of, everyone yeah. in, in the management team and in yeah. the squad has, has agreed to that. And, and, to the, and, to the, and to the point, Jeff, where he, where he rocked up at Blues training and said, don't you guys know that I'm the All Black Centre now? Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I mean, All right. Uh, well, here's number 13. Uh, we better find some winners. I think it mystifies everyone outside New Zealand, though. I mean, it, it looks like the quintessential finishing wing, that blazing speed, not a whole lot of, to me, rugby acumen. You don't want to put him in 13 where he has to make too many decisions. And I think, you know, I think Ireland's somewhat keyed off on that. I would think Lacanio Arm is happier mm. about facing him. Uh, I don't know. It just seems a strange choice. I'm not as tough on him as, as some other people, particularly in attack. I think he has... Yeah, sure. uh, improved his running lines, his uh, distributions improved, uh, his passing's improved, and uh, and he does have the ability. We saw there in one play in Auckland, you know, where he can get on the outside of, of defenders if he sees a forward, and uh, and then create a a free man from you know just from his pace. So I, I think attack wise, uh, yeah, sure. I think yeah. he's earned his spot, but defensively he's still a bit of a a rogue, a bit of a lone cowboy, and uh, what they're missing is that really solid defensive combination and the cohesion that you need at 12 and 13, and he doesn't bring that. You know, his tackling might be better one-on-one, -on -one, but that's not what we're looking for in that in that role. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's where the bigger concern is. And look, maybe if 
Foster was in a stronger position or, you know, we don't know what the dynamic is in the squad. But, you know, in the old days, the coach would just be saying, you're playing on the wing and that, and that's the end of it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not sure that's the case these days. No, no, it feels like that. Harry, where do you think, coming at this same problem from a South African point of view, where do you think the box are going to be identifying their, their target lines? Because it feels to me, and just spot on about midfield in all backs, but it feels to me like their back row is still very much in a state of flux. Yeah, so you look at the bursts um, against Wales, the 29-point second half in the first test, and then um, the battering in the third test, which didn't yield as many tries as it should have, but still it was an overwhelming dominance. That was all born of around-the-corner running, but also from mm. different angles. It was all big carriers. It was just big yep. carriers. It was Visa. It was um, Piercepta Toy. It was even Etzebeth. And it best, just yeah. it wore on. And then you and then you bring Pollard, who's basically you know like a loose forward, and you just batter, batter. I mean, the 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 So I think that's what they're going to look at is is um, you know three or four meters around the ruck, um, coming in diagonals. I don't think they're going to try and switch as wide as possible. They did that yeah. to their to their chagrin against Wales. Wales picked that off, and it was yeah. actually the reason for some of the bad tries. Um, and I think they're even more wary against the All Blacks. I think they didn't know Wales could do that, so they tried it, didn't work, and went back into their yeah. shape. So I would think it's going to be um, tackle duty for White Luck and the boys. Um, you know, are they up to it or not? And if they are, it'll be close. If they're not, mm. you know, there'll be a separation of seven to ten points. What's um what what sort of state are the are the box in after this series? They would have had another another week off. They've recalled a few aging aging veterans. I'm sure friends Franz Stain is still playing rugby yeah. in South Africa, so that it doesn't look so bad when Morno Stain is still playing. <laughs> yeah, Franz Stain is back. He's not actually going to play the first one in, uh, in the first test, but he will play in the second one. Yeah, um, they're in a, they're in a good stage. I, mean, I don't know if you've seen Franz Malerba recently, but he is really looking fit. So yeah, he was he telling me that they're really doing some training. Uh, they're doing in that serious, intense kind of thing that they do with Ninaba. Uh, I would say in general, like people forgive Ninaba for the second test. We, didn't, we thought it was kind yeah. of arrogant to play that many debutants against a 10, 10 lion, 1,000 cap team. But in the end, it showed some players not to be up to it. Marcel Coutier yeah. got the axe from that one performance because yeah. uh, he ran into contact three times backward and it killed uh, three attacks. So I mean, that's it. It's yeah. when players don't want to don't want to actually put their head in anymore, and they're done. Yeah, they test rugby. So I think in general they have the right squad. It's look, it's only two players different from the World Cup final squad. Yeah, so they it's, can put 20, 21 players out there that played in the World Cup final, which is which is incredible longevity for a squad. I mean, any any coach worth their salt in the top 10 or 15 teams in world rugby would love very much to be able to change out side for a second test of a series, but not everyone can. Jeff, um, the, the Wallabies are back in camp uh, on the Gold Coast this week. They head out to head to Argentina on Friday or Saturday, I think it is, to, to kick off that two-test series. Um, you and I have both had a bit to say on various different things about them over the last, last week or so. Where where's going to be their lines of focus and um, and and concern, if you like, in this week particularly before they head to Argentina? Uh, well, I think the 
the fortnight's breaks come at a good time for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were definitely knocked around by uh, injury. Uh, yeah, all sides get injuries, right? But, um, you know... The yeah, and, and, and on that, and on that, you see a few comments and a few few things on social media every, every, every now and again saying, oh, we have to remember England weren't at full strength. We have to remember that New Zealand... I don't think anyone's at full strength anymore. <laughs> it's just full strength almost seems like a misnomer now. No, that's true. So it becomes a squad game. And, uh, yeah. and Harry's, to Harry's point about the, the strength of the South African squad, you know, they're able to have this uh, continuity and cohesion right through from the last World Cup. And, and for a side like Australia that sort of has a much higher turnover of players because they're still sorting out who can cut it at this level and who can't. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, once the injuries kick in to the better players, the ones that are established, well, you know, they it, it makes things a bit harder for them than other sides to uh, to cover for those injuries. So that's not an excuse. That's just no. how it is. And uh, and they're still going to go away missing some key guys. But you know, that's part of the deal. And Dave Rennie won't make an yeah. excuse out of that. He'll just deal with it. So they've had a break. Uh, a reset. They do get some guys back that I think uh, can make a difference, and it'll be interesting to see if Jed Holloway gets a run. Yeah, um, well, they were knocked around a bit by England's superior physical strength, and one of the things I was really impressed with uh, with Holloway this season in Super Rugby, he was a strong man, and uh, yeah, he, he was. He really he, was. He really added some starch to that uh, Waratahs pack. And, mm. and so he's the type of figure that I think the Wallabies will benefit from uh, having if he gets some game time. So, yeah. uh, look, I'm optimistic about them. They do need a result. Uh, they do need to go to Argentina and win. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, you know, Rennie still has uh, a lot of... Um, people viewing him favourably, but he can't yep. continue not to get results. No, I would agree um, with that. Otherwise, the pressure will go on. Yeah. I, I, had a, I had a question mark down here to ask you. Why why can't Australia sweep this tour of Argentina? What What's stopping them? Well, no, I think they can. You know, I, mm. I, I think they're a better side. And, uh, you know, what we know about Argentina now is that they have got the ability to get up on certain days. And uh, once once they get the blend in their game right, the blend between, um, you know, getting their set piece right and some of that uh, brilliant attacking and passing play that they can do. And, yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's never any guarantees against Argentina. They can wipe you away very quickly. Mm. But but the Wallabies, they need to get on the front foot, assert their yeah. uh, assert themselves right from the start. And, uh, and they have the players to do that, uh, you know, take their points. Um, they can't go missing line-out throws. If, they've, if they're kicking the touch for an attacking line-out, going for them all, you know, you've got to hit your man. All of those sorts of things. And I think Parecki has uh, bought a little bit of stability there. And Yes, uh, yep. You know, compared yep. to what's, what's gone in the past. So, no, they can win and they should win. And if they don't win, that would be uh, a pretty dis disappointing outcome. All mm. respect to Argentina. And it would make for a it would make for an awfully difficult rugby rugby championship if they if they don't. Harry, I, I wrote on on Tuesday about the Wallaby back row performance through the um, through the England series and how the 
reviewing over the rugby free weekend uh, and a bit of a look through the numbers confirmed what I thought live was that they were quiet um, and, and perhaps even more quiet than we than we realise. Scott Wiseman, the assistant coach, said on Tuesday, um, their first day back in camp, that they were going to spend the first couple of days in the camp reviewing the England series pretty hard and then rip in on Thursday, jump on the plane on Friday, Saturday, whatever it is. Where, where do you see is going to be their, their major um, spots of uh, points of, of focus? I know you you had yeah. similar thoughts as mine on the back row. Yeah, I, I think they were quiet, but I think they were quieted or quieted by somebody. Yes, yes, and yes. I, that's I think, fair. and it, I think they actually just—it was a, one of those series where it became very, very brutal. It was very yeah. physical. Courtney Laws and those guys got up on them. Ellis Genge, and they were just kind yeah. of ran downhill. I think Argentina has that same strength. I think their loose trio with Matera and Kramer and those guys, um, Isa can really bring it. I think uh, Guido yeah. Petty is like a kind of a flank, really, the way how mobile he is. He's also a very good stealing lineout. So I think Parecki will, will get his first real test because Petty yeah. was the best lineout thief in Super Rugby for several years in a row. And he's super athletic. He does it not just by being lifted in the air. He actually has <laughs> he that He gets jump. up quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so I think there's his, that. His biggest challenge might be staying on the field, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, so to your point about injuries, uh, every every – so there's different rules about different teams. Different countries are allowed to complain about injuries and some countries are not allowed to. <laughs> so Argentina is one of those teams that gets ravaged by injuries and no one's allowed to talk about it. They have, yeah. They're playing their third string fly off, third string fly yeah. off. I mean, they, they're there for the taking. And, and to Jeff's point, uh, I think he's right. This would be a failure if the Wallabies come back without having yeah. two wins. I, um, I said, it might have been the, the two up last Thursday that, in in Michael Checker, they almost have the perfect coach to just get them back up and play that emotional, passionate game. And he can probably sustain that for 12 months into the Rugby World Cup. And then they can work out what they want to do after that. But what what do you what do you think, Jeff? I mean, they they're gonna be up for it, Argentina. They always are. No, they are and they will be. Uh, I agree with Harry. I think um, there are some chinks there in terms of their depth and and the Wallabies will uh, will be dealing with those, and Checker will be dealing with it, obviously, to uh, to counter that. And and yeah, look, he is that sort of coach. You know, maybe a bit like what everybody's thought Eddie Jones has been like for years. You've got a limited shelf life, and uh, you ride these emotional highs, mm. and and you cop the uh, the lows that come with it as well. Um, but he's Checker's a smart guy as well. The best thing that Checker's done since uh, losing the Wallabies coaching job was become an analyst on uh, on Stan Rugby. Yes, yes, and, true. Uh, and really, he's he's demonstrated to the rugby public that he, he's a very sharp rugby mind and he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, you know, very sound tactically about the game, uh, very perceptive. So, uh, so Argentina's in good hands. There's no question <laughs> well, about that. Almost, almost to the point where it made a mockery of his own comments during the 2019 World Cup that he said he didn't spend too much time analysing opponents. No, absolutely <laughs> I mean... right. So, you know, that was a convenient thing to say at the time, but he, he certainly disproved that yeah. uh, in, in his role on stand. Yeah, it was interesting to hear Scott Wiseman it was, was asked about whether having been in the England system with Eddie Jones for so long and, and he would have played a role in 
trying to unplug Michael Checker teams, how much of that carries over now that Checker's in charge of Los Pumas? And and Harry, the one thing Wiseman said is that what is what Checker does smart is that he actually refreshes his assistant coaches fairly regularly. And now with with the Pumas, he's got another set of assistants all over again. He probably has to. <laughs> it's a little bit, <laughs> yeah. a bit like Eddie. Um, yeah. No, I think. I yeah. think Refreshes is, very, is an interesting word. <laughs> I think Michael Checker is a very intellectually curious man. Uh, I think he takes a lot of influences from lots of things, not just rugby. And I think it sometimes gets confused, like Jeff said, is that he's not interested in in the repeating what everyone else repeats. I think he looks for mm. new things, different things. I think what probably it has always been true is he did study his opponents. But he yeah. still believe he believes in that the passion and that the you can raise someone two or three percent above another team that is tactically superior, and and that's what he did with you know his Waratahs for example. So yeah. I yes. think I think I think there's a way to you know bash your way to victory and have that kind of um, never say die. And I think you're exactly right. Short term fix perfect for Pumas. I would not be surprised if they shock a few people next year in the World Cup because. A lot of them play in France. A lot of them are very comfortable there. Um, they can come together and have that incredible nationalistic fervor. I could see something happening. They're on the right side of the draw as well. Yeah. Rugby on the Raw. So, uh, so Brett, I wanted to, to talk a little bit about to our listeners that don't know about Jeff's fine work. There is not a column better than what is called the rap on the roar. Some <laughs> people have compared Jeff Jeff's rap, which is some people say it's not even really a rugby weekend unless they read the rap. They wait to to read the rap before yeah. they know what they think they saw. But uh, no, he's he's got Anton Chekhov's brevity. He's got Guy de Maupassant's uh, plot development. He has Annie Proulx's Brokeback Mountain plot twists. And sometimes he's been compared to the common sense writer of Tim Winton, who I don't even really know. I just looked it up. But I maybe have it all twisted around. But I've always been fascinated by one thing about Jeff, is that he produces this bloody rap about two seconds after the whistle's blown. I mean, it's like, boom, it's in the shoot. And mm. I've always wondered, Jeff, do you actually write during these games? Do you have a theme that you have prepared? And you fit everything into the narrative. How does the actual process work of the park, <laughs> and, Parks Factory? And, and well, factory is the word because given the length of it, there's no way he's punching that out at full time by himself. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I saw Brett uh, nearly fall through the floor there, Harry, when you <laughs> use the word brevity. <laughs> but in a way you do because on each match you pick one key factor yeah yeah you don't yeah. do a whole like thing you're reviewing five matches sometimes six matches yeah um well funnily enough i don't actually write a lot while i'm watching and the reason for that is is that at the end of the day i'm a fan like everybody else and i want to sit back and enjoy a good game of rugby so i i definitely don't have the computer on my lap uh, unless I have to do a match report or something like that, like we did for the Island All Black series. Uh, so if it's a normal weekend, uh, I watch, I might scribble a handwritten note. If something comes up in the game that I think is potentially worthy of a mention, if it's going to make the cut on Monday, I'll write it down. If I see something or something funny happens or, or there's a tactical 
uh, event, you know, that I've noticed. I'll write that down. But but I don't get ahead of it. And uh, so what happens, we have two games Friday night, there's uh, games on Saturday, and I'm starting to think about uh, what I might write about. Um, you know, every week you've got to have uh, have a theme and a way in and all that sort of stuff. And some some weeks it might be that you cover all of the matches. Other weeks there might be a standout game, uh, you know, a, a derby or something like that that mm-hmm. stands out or an event that takes you somewhere that you have to elevate to number one. So I'm pretty fluid about all of that. and uh, And you just let it sort of... If you just think about it and let it fester, then over Saturday night, uh, what happens then Sunday morning, I go to golf early and uh, and we're getting back in a circle here about uh, my golf coach, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's, easy to, it's easy to hang shit on him, but you know, I'm walking around playing golf and I should be concentrating on my yardage or making clean contact. And I just happen to be thinking about Oh yeah, that'd be a good paragraph. I'll put that in here. <laughs> yeah, the right. Yeah, yeah. And so, so that's really where the magic happens. Is at golf on a Sunday morning, and then by the time I've got home, and you know, another forty minutes in the car. By the time I got home Sunday afternoon, then it's all systems go. Yeah, and uh, and it all comes together. And uh, so I haven't rewritten a lot of it. It's uh, or much of it at all. It's all up in the head with a few little notes, and then you just trust yourself that it's going to come together. And uh, and then by sort of five o'clock on a Sunday, most of the times it has. And the hardest thing probably is when there's Sunday afternoon matches. And mm. I love afternoon rugby; uh, they're great. But in terms of not, my deadline, not great uh, for deadlines. No, it's a shocker. Um, your, your your golf coach is going to want to have a, a byline and your articles from that. <laughs> yeah, start sending you an invoice. How did you come across the format, mate? Because it, I, I have to admit, I can't even remember when you started writing for the Raw, but it seemed like from you went from nowhere to regular writer of this this format called the Rap. And and does having the format as it is, does that actually make it easy to get into things each week? Um, yeah, no, good question. It's sort of a blessing and a curse at the same time. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so when I started, I, I wanted to have a purpose. You know, like most people, when you start, you just sort of start writing and there's not a lot of, uh, yeah, not a lot of purpose about it. And I and I had to think about that. I had a chat to our editor um, at the time and he gave me a couple of good pointers about you know you need to say something need to stand for for something otherwise it all just looks like everybody else's stuff right yeah and uh and then i took a little bit of inspiration from spiro as well i must say spiro had been doing a similar thing on a monday for years and and uh you know so he was a good sort of pre a precursor to what i was doing um but yeah as soon as you call it a wrap then the thing is, it implies that you're covering everything that's happened in the week. Yes. Or over the weekend. Yeah. And so what happens now is on the weeks where I might only write about one or two things and not every game just for the sake of it. Um, then you get comments like, well, I was <laughs> yeah. disappointed. You didn't Why did you look about. at this? Yeah. yeah and it's always in the first dozen comments too, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And so you understand that where that comes from. But at the same time, 
I, I didn't want it to become formulaic and just, mm. you know, the same type of summary week after week. Um, the other tricky bit is that you're writing, you know, you need to know, and you'll, you guys have the same issue, I'm sure. It's difficult to know where to pitch stuff because we're writing for a very informed audience, right? There's, yeah. There's, there's guys that uh, our readership on the raw is sharp. And, and if you get anything wrong, you get hammered for it. And uh, so you have to um, give the audience a lot of, uh, and, uh, you know, credit and, and, and cater for their intelligence, their rugby intelligence. So you can't write down to them or you can't be too simplistic. But at the same time, I got to realise that a lot of people were coming on a Monday morning to read this and they hadn't actually seen the games on the weekend because yeah. not everybody's got pay TV or they've missed a game or they've been at a wedding or whatever they're doing. So, so you do also have to, you know, fill the gaps in a bit. So it is a bit of a tricky thing. Hey, Jeff, uh, also people who don't read your rap yet, and they must read your rap. It's from now on, you have to, guys. Um, you, they, will know, they will learn that you are a music aficionado, that often <laughs> you use music as one of your ins. That's one of your pathways in. You have like a Joni Mitchell thing where you'll like compare and contrast. So I'm going to demonstrate for the listeners of the roar. Uh, this is this is completely unawares. Brett doesn't know this is happening. I'm going to say a team, and you have to give me a band that they're like right now. Okay, so <laughs> let's go. The French, quick fire. Uh, France, France, Beastie Boys. <laughs> okay, <laughs> why? I was going to say Jamiroquai. No, well, yeah, no, they're the Beastie Boys. They're just the bosses of rugby at the moment. Uh, Ireland, 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 uh, that old uh, American band Chicago, because uh, that's where the golden run started for Ireland against the All Blacks. So, oh, yeah. so ah, well played, well played. Yeah, New Zealand, yeah. New Zealand. I can't wait for this. New Zealand, come on, let's go. Uh, New Zealand's an easy one, Harry. Um, uh, we'll go for Panic at the Disco. <laughs> yes, I like those guys. Uh, okay, how about Wallabies? uh wallabies yeah that that's a bit tricky um maybe i'd go for journey you know the wallabies are on a oh. journey and, and 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 they may not exactly know where they're going and how they're going and a different lead there. singer now they're a different yeah, lead exactly. singer yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting yeah. Yeah. but the message okay. has forever been the same don't stop okay. believing <laughs> <laughs> okay. a, a few a few more quick ones i got to hear the box south africa um, I reckon the box, uh, they're Pink Floyd because uh, they won the World Cup in 2019 <laughs> because of the wall. <laughs> oh my God. You had good. to really look, you had to work for that one. That's good. <laughs> See, That's this good. is the kind of thing you're dealing with, Jeff. He's got a quick yeah. wit, and really, the, the rap is the one to read every yeah. single Monday. Um, and, and, and one thing. One th and one thing you've been you've been really strong on um, for years now, Jeff. Through through your raps each, each Monday is um, is about tackle height. And, and one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about is this idea that has been floated uh, in the last week or so about World Rugby weighing up the introduction of centrally contracted referees to oversee international matches. And the idea being that this is how they might drive consistency across particularly across the high-profile tournaments like the Six Nations, like the Rugby Championship and obviously the, the Rugby World Cup. Um, what do you, what's your thinking on this? Can you, can you actually contract your way to consistency? Is it, 
it seems like the sort of thing that's a good idea on paper and in a newspaper column, but how could that actually work in practicality? Uh, well, I don't, I don't think it's, it's, it can work. And well, I, I don't think it's the solution to answer your question. So, and the reason is, well, there's a few reasons The the model isn't far removed from what happens anyway. Right? Yes, so the, true. Ref, the referees are employed by their national unions and then they report dotted line up through the refereeing hierarchy at World Rugby. And they have all these frequent get-togethers. And so in practice, they're already quite sort of well-aligned anyway. So I don't mm. think who they're contracted to is going to make any difference. And, um, and then we might ask, well, can, is that, does that mean they, um, they're going to be better... Uh, aligned around these rigid sort of frameworks, you know, they're all working for the same person. Is that going to make them better referees and provide better decision making? And and then you think about the world's top referees in recent times, and you know Wayne Barnes and before that Nigel Owens. And the best referees are actually the ones that back their own judgment more and and step yeah. outside of these frameworks and don't get bogged down by it. And you know, closer to home, we can see some of our referees, they do get bogged down in the sort of using the right language and the way they talk through yeah. their processes. And, you know, to the point so where you can almost see them working through the, the flow chart, can't you? Yeah, exactly. And uh, and whereas you can see Wayne Barnes thinking, I don't want to do all that crap. You know, I, I know what <laughs> I'm doing. And, yeah. you know, he, he is doing it, but it's just not so visible. And experience is a big thing as well. And, you know, so if we take a couple of the New Zealand referees, I'm thinking about Ben O'Keefe and uh, and Brendan Pickerel, and and they've become noticeably more relaxed as they've as they've grown in confidence and self belief yeah. over time. Yeah. And Williams I'd argue well. they're much they're much better referees as a result of it. Mm. Uh, so so they're not sort of bogged down by all this um, this framework and process stuff that that some of the others are. Uh, there's a couple more things. I think the the game is complex and it remains, you know, we have this high degree of subjectivity and uh, officiating and law interpretation and, and that's not going to change. Um, you know, and, and we know, you look at the comments from readers on the raw, we know how all of us can look at something and all see something different. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, that is rugby. And, uh, and so no matter how you contract or train referees or, you know, do what you want with them, uh, that's not going to change. And, yeah. um, and i got one more. I think the fourth thing is that, you know, a lot of this isn't the referees doing either. So by that, I mean the processes and frameworks are inherently faulty and, and I think they ask too much of referees. So yes. in the old days, Harry, you'll relate to this. In the old days, the ref had to consider, look, you know, did he kick him in the head or did he bite his ear off? You know, if he did, he's off. He's sent off. And um, now... A punch, was, a punch was not enough. I mean, a punch no, would... You, you'd say on the yeah. field it would be a bite or a... Yeah, yeah. a bite or a kick or, a, you know... A grab of the scrotum, yeah. Yeah, or the very worst coat hanger, maybe, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But nowadays, you know, so that was easy for the refs then, right? And nowadays, it's everything's in a red card. And then let's go through this list of mitigating factors that potentially turn into yellow card or potentially into a penalty. And right, it just puts, right. it loads up what the refs are doing and puts yeah. too much 
on their plate. And, uh, yeah, I just don't think, you know, and then we've got them pressured into, you know, operating by consensus and, you know, getting the assistance and the TMO on side that mm. we all agree before we do anything. It takes up a lot of time. Um, so rugby league and we, you know, rugby league has its issues, but one of the things that's got right is that when a decision goes to the, the TMO or the bunker, it's, there's still a human involved, but what they do is that that person then is responsible for making the call. And, uh, and that takes that pressure off the referee. And, the, you know, it's not a referee standing in the middle of the field looking at a scoreboard that's a bit fuzzy and, and in the heat of the moment or anything like that. So I think that's, that's definitely a better, better approach. So, you know, and look, one thing about the refs, too, is that we can argue about what they get in, uh, right or wrong in terms of the subjectivity and, and it's all a bit pointless, really. But what I'm really interested in about the refs is them getting the points of law right. And, yeah. and so, Harry, I think you mentioned to me once that, you know, I didn't write a lot about referees from week to week because mm. I think it is a bit pointless and it gets a bit boring. And, and, uh, but I am interested when they get stuff wrong that's a point of law. And uh, you might recall a couple of years ago in Canberra, uh, the Hurricanes lost to the Brumbies uh, on a call where um, Nick Berry came back and overturned a try because uh, the TMO had alerted him to a knock-on, but they weren't actually allowed to look at it because there'd mm, been a stoppage yeah. in the I play yeah. Yeah. Uh, previously. And, you know, to me, that was fascinating that these two smart guys got this wrong, not because they made a subjective call, but they actually just weren't allowed to do what they were yeah. doing. And then even in the, the island test in Dunedin, the second test, you know, when New Zealand were um, reduced to 13 men, and, uh, and it came out later that they should have actually, the law states that they should have had to drop another player and been down. They should have actually 12. been down to 12, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yet here we had a referee, two assistants, a TMO and a sideline official. And the fourth official guys. too, yeah. Yeah. And none, and none of them none of them got yeah. it right. And uh, you know, so that's that's fascinating. So to get back to your question, is contracting them differently gonna fix all of that? Well, I'm bugging if I know. Well, I think there are very different issues. Uh, so obviously like determining whether someone had a concussion or not, you're not gonna do that in 12 minutes. And some of the indicators, uh, I mean, they have some, some saliva tests that are promising, but there are some indicators that actually take a 24 to 48 hours to, to develop. And we know that because that's how they get, you know, Sexton out of it, Johnny Sexton come out of it because it didn't turn out that it was. So in reality, the only, isn't the only way to get through this head knock issue is to actually remove people who are suspected of having such a head knock and keeping them off and not bringing them back to practice or game and become used to that idea, which may affect selection, squads, coaching, but you know, putting it on the referee in the heat of battle to decide uh, mm. something about a head knock is, uh, is not gonna really stand up in this court case that just got filed and certified as a, as a group action. They're gonna yeah. look for, you know, did you take player welfare seriously? And I don't think doctors testifying on either side of that are gonna think this is a very serious proposal to that, essentially that contract. Could- no, and but that that sort of behaviour could start though now that the mandatory stand down is twelve days. Yeah, 
that that sort of behaviour, Jeff, could actually start changing. Yeah, well, it could. Although I, I sort of agree with where Harry's heading on this. I, I think the two issues are related, but they're entirely separate. Yes. And, yep. um, you know, so we can come back and talk about concussion again on another day because there's, yeah, there's a lot will. more detail to that. But the the concussion or head injury or brain injury issue is is one thing, and it is the most uh, serious challenge facing uh, the game uh, long term. There's no question about that. Um, the refereeing issue is is another thing altogether, and exactly. uh, and they just cross over in this piece where the referees are, are being used really as a bit of a blunt tool to try and lower yeah. tackle heights. And, and they're the guys that have got caught sort of trying to administer all of this. And, mm. and I think a lot of the discourse, the commentary and, and fan angst and things like that, it, it's because the two issues have been confused and intertwined. And I think World Rugby has failed there and the, that we're not really getting a clarity in their communication around the, the concussion issue. And I'd like to see them do a much better job uh, educating uh, the public, educating uh, media, mm. and uh, and so that everybody does know that these are two distinct issues and exactly uh, the work being worked on separately. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's a it's it's a conversation that you're absolutely spot on, Jeff. That it's it's certainly not going to be wrapped up in in one podcast um, on on one day we'll certainly keep coming back to this look it's been it's been great to have you back on it's been great to to sort of run our way through a couple of little topics of the um, of the moment this week um thanks so much for, for coming back on and um you can catch up with jeff's rap every monday on the raw.com.au it is genuinely one of the great rugby reads each week and you'll find jeff on twitter as well so check him out uh, mate great to talk to you we'll do this again soon uh, great right. chat, guys, and good luck with the pod. It's all going, uh, all going great. The roar. Harry, great to have Jeff uh, Parks back on. Um, always, always a good chat, and we will no doubt come back to several of these topics um, over the over the course of the podcast future. I'm sure. The music man, and he had better lighting this time. He was well lit. <laughs> true, so true. I'm gonna, Very true. I'm going to change his picture in the squad in the the raw squad. Squad. Oh, righto. So we're going to have changes yeah. in the Raw Boars 15. All right, we'll await that. Yeah. Uh, the we, Rugby we Championship, have some of course. serious players coming in very soon. We do, we do. <laughs> the Rugby Championship kicks off uh, on the weekend of August 6 and 7, and we'll certainly dive more into the preview of the tournament next week properly with a very special guest who we've got lined up. Um, a little bit of news, mate, not a, not a massive amount. You touched on it during that chat with Jeff. Ryan Jones from Wales and New Zealand's Carl Heyman have been confirmed to be among more than 100 former rugby players taking legal action against World Rugby and the national governing bodies of England and Wales over what they say was a failure to protect them from permanent injury caused by repeated concussions during their careers. That's got a lot of water to go under a lot of bridges before that's resolved. Tonga have secured their spot at the 2023 World Cup. They had a 44-23 win over Hong Kong uh, on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland on Saturday, they take the last spot in Pool B alongside South Africa, Ireland, Scotland and Romania. Uh, Hong Kong have another chance to qualify later in this year through the repercharge, as do the USA that we mentioned a few weeks ago. 
the RFU in England, Scottish Rugby and the Welsh Rugby Union have confirmed that they would join together and form men's and women's Great Britain Sevens teams ahead of the 22-23 World Rugby Sevens series, which aligns the governing body's future direction with um, the Sevens program and connects it to their Olympic status, which kind of makes sense, I suppose, doesn't it? Yeah. It sort of would have been hard to try and pick Great Britain teams from three different countries and all that. So, yeah, that makes a little bit of sense. Anyway, that is episode 27 of the Raw Rugby Podcast done and in the rearview mirror. Don't forget Harry and I are both on the socials and don't forget to drop us a line on the Raw when the new episode page lands. The Thursday 2-Up is back this week with the return of some welcome South American flavour. And I'll mention again about the instant reaction pods through the Rugby Championship. The best way to know what we're doing because we don't still know yet, uh, is to like, follow, subscribe on your pod flat platform of choice and ensure every new episode drops in your notifications as soon as it's live. And leave us a review. I think we, again, got another couple of five-star ratings. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week on theraw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate and your home of all the favourite international rugby analysis and opinions. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week. Allons jouer avec nous. Oh, Jesus. <laughs>